welcome again to The Christ Life. We just absolutely love the times that we get to share with you, and, and especially today as we are uh, in this series of, of abiding and, and wonderful overflowing joy, what a joyful life really looks like. And it's uh, uh, just to remind you that we're sort of running through the epistle to the Philippians, uh, Paul's experience and relationship with these dear friends of his, and uh, we're also kind of stopping as we go through a line-upon-line kind of methodology, but we're going to stop and pull out certain principles uh, from the Word of God, uh, and, and that's the flow of what we're doing. Today uh, is actually an attitude check. Today is one of those, if you, if you think about it, uh, while you're in your journey, while you're going through, while you're living your life, every now and then it's probably a good idea to stop by the doctor's office from time to time, have them put that little cuff on, that little thing on your arm, and check your blood pressure. And they give you a couple of numbers out of that. They give you an idea about how things are going. And uh, uh, the same thing with a car. You know, well, I, I just, it, it, you know, just I got my car. It's brand new. I'm going to run it like a champ. And, uh, you know, but you still have to t get it checked. You have to take it in from time to time to have it tuned up. And so what we're doing today <clears throat> is kind of a bit of this. In fact, the, the first few verses of chapter two speak about some specific things that that we want to look at as an attitude check. We want to look at them as a, hey, it would be good to stop right about now and right here and do a four-point check. Uh, the last time I had a, a car that I was looking to buy a used car, uh, they said, well, we do a 125-point check. <laughs> And so and I took it to a guy to have him look at it because I don't know from cars and mechanics and all of that kind of thing. I was like, is this a, is this a decent car? And he said, oh, we'll do a 37-point check. And I thought, well, they did 124. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But this is four. This is just four easy steps. And, and it's to check your attitude. And the scripture speaks of it specifically uh, in chapter 2 of Philippians verses 1 through 4. Let me read these to you. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, being of one mind, having the same love, one love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in the humility of your soul, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you, and I'm sure he would be saying each of us, look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And for today, the principle of this, uh, this check that we're going to do is that the formula to really experience the fullness of joy that God intends is in the Word itself in the letters, J-O-Y. And those would stand as a bit of an acronym for Jesus, others, and yourself. And that order, not Jio, not Oija, but J-O-Y, Jesus, then others, then you. You know, you're talking about the, the, the check, and I had to go to the doctor last week because I had the flu, and, you know, it dawns on me, they really do four checks. When I go to the doctor, uh, the first one is the worst because they put me on the scale to see my weight and my doctor's scale is always broken. It just is. I, I've tried to tell them every time I go because it just doesn't work right. Uh, then they take me in the room and they take the blood pressure. Uh, they take my temperature 
and they check, well, actually they check my pulse and they check my uh, oxygen. And so what we're gonna do in these four uh, is the weight, We're gonna because there really is uh, stuff you feel because you kind of feel the weight. Yeah. Uh, there, there's also stuff to know and there's stuff to avoid and there's stuff to do. But the stuff to feel, this really, this part of this check has to do with the love. Because if there's uh, any comfort from love, Paul says. So here's the question that's going to help you kind of do this self-evaluation, let the Holy Spirit challenge you uh, in this, is are you motivated by his great love? Or are you motivated by your own love? Are you motivated by your love for things? Uh, but if you're motivated by his love, then that's going to really keep your attitude in the right place. Because it's here that in uh, your love for him uh, and his love for you, that your attitude remains correct. Why? Because ultimately, it's there you get encouragement. It's there that circumstances can't change your, uh, your level of joy. When I know without a doubt that I am loved by God, and that I love him, I walk with a, a sense of joy that is really unexplainable because my circumstances ultimately are not going to be able to, to change that. So I then can go, all right. In fact, oftentimes when I, when I get into a place of conflict with people and, I'm, and inside I'm finding, wait a minute, because when I, anger is not uh, necessarily a bad thing. To me, I think of anger, back to your car analogy, is when the dreaded check light, engine light comes on. Hmm. Just because the check engine light comes on does not, uh, doesn't mean that you know what the problem is. It just says, wait a minute, something's not right. And so when you live a life where you are in love with the Lord and his love is motivating you, you go, something may not be right, but Lord, let me step back. Let me step away from this situation in a way that now I can begin to process it in your love, not looking at the circumstance, not looking at the person. And then, I, then what you find is that the Lord begins to remind you of, of how loved you are and the love that he's placed in your heart. So now, now it's not about your feelings. Now it's about the other person because it starts with Jesus, but then quickly moves to others. Now you're going, okay, is, is my response here? Is it, does it need to be corrective for them in a way that is going to help them move closer to Christ? If I have that re relational influence, I, is this the place to spend it so that ultimately they might be able to experience the kind of joy that I'm experiencing? And then, and then in that, it may end up positive. It may end up where they turn to, to Christ and you can then yourself in the presence of the Lord just begin to rejoice mm -hmm. because that's, that's the process. And so these are, this is just stuff that ultimately you're going to, to, to have to feel uh, and then get this check about. But then there's the, the stuff to know. Uh, and the stuff to know has everything, am I seeking unity here or am I seeking really my own way? And so Paul, he, he talks about uh, the, the others and being of same mind and being in full accord, not having selfish ambition or conceit, because this is the place where now, again, we retreat in my mind. This is, you may do it just a little bit different. You may find that it's a little bit different process, but I think the Jesus, others, and yourself remains the same across the board. Uh, but I retreat and now, now Jesus, what is my motive here? Um, you know, I've been following Jesus for, for quite a while, and I love people. 
but I'm always amazed at my continual ability to just love myself. And there are times where it's in that loving of myself that if I'm not careful, that it can cause disunity. It can cause a, a, a chasm between uh, relationships. And so I retreat back to this place of Jesus. Okay, Lord, what is it that you're looking for here? What are the elementary principles here? For me, a number of years ago, I went through an incredibly difficult situation where somebody verbally brought great harm to my wife in my presence. I, I, the reason I add the in my presence is that it wasn't coming to me secondhand. And I, I, I wanted, I longed for unity. But as I retreated to Jesus, I found that the unity had to be first and foremost with my wife and I. And just because the others that were involved chose not to be in unity, I chose through the Lord to make sure that unity with my wife was in place. And ultimately, as the years passed, uh, we didn't give up. Both of us continued to move toward a place of relationship through our relationship with Jesus so that ultimately unity came back and there was a place of reconciliation. And it, it probably is not perfect reconciliation where there's all this admittance of the wrong. The fact is there was a desire for relationship. And in our relationship with the Lord, we understand that while there was this season where they were our enemy, where there was this, this place where there was this great divide, we were constantly looking for how we could bring a unity. And that required us to live with a, a level of humility that one, we were not the answer and that, that our way of viewing things isn't perfect. But Christ continues to motivate us and continues to move us to a place of continual unity. And what the result of that is, is that each of us have an overwhelming source sense of joy. Because we, from the very first, we talked about joy being relational, not situational. So joy expressed in our one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord leads us to a place of unity and oneness and togetherness in relationship that brings a furtherance of joy that we feel really all by ourselves. Because we step back and just go, God, you are so good. God, you're the one that led us to this place. You worked amazing through things through it. You did work in each of us uh, and your work continuing to work. And, and I know that ult your ultimate plan and purpose for my life is to be conformed in the likeness of Jesus. And sometimes, and I think more often than not, it's the times of difficulty that the Lord uh, causes us to go back to him so that we can keep a place of unity together and oneness, so that we might have this joy overflowing and just flooding in and through our lives. I think it's, it's incredibly well said. The, the reality is that, um, you know, you can, spend, you can spend a lot of money on uh, psychology, and, and, and I'm not saying don't do that. If you have issues and, and, and you just can't, you're stuck somewhere and you can't get past this. But one of the things that they're going to do for you, uh, if they do it well, is that they're going to help you to separate out this issue of your feelings mm -hmm. and, and then your actual choices that you make. You know, what you feel in a situation and what's actually true in a situation. And so that, that whole issue of checking your feelings, but then not stopping there, you know, it's not just what you feel, things you're supposed to feel, it's things you're supposed to know. And when it comes down to the bottom line, uh, you make choices and you make decisions and you make commitments based upon the truth 
that has been revealed to you. And, and sometimes it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm going to wait till I feel it. I'm going to wait till I have it. No, no, no. When the light goes on, as you said, when the, when the thing happens, when you start to go, wait a minute, that's just, that's just a wrong kind of attitude for me to have. If I'm a follower of Christ, ding, ding, ding. You know what? I need to take this in for service. I need something. I need some level of revelation from heaven. That's, that's beautiful. That's powerful. Because uh, can I just remind you that the Bible never says, while it speaks about being filled with joy, while this whole series is about, you know, overflowing and abiding joy and this glorious, joyful life that he brings to us, uh, the Bible never says this is how you have to feel. It speaks about having joy and, and rejoicing always and being ha having such an availability for it that it should mark your life and chains and crisis and all these other things that we've already talked about. And, and so all your relationships can be marked with this. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's powerful, but the Bible never says, thou shalt feel this way. Thou shalt not feel this way. Because feelings... They're, they're weird little butterflies in the breeze kind of things. They come and they go. You, you know, you're not always, sometimes you, you know, you get on the ride, even though you feel like, oh, I'm going to be scared out of my skin when I get on that ride. But, but somehow you work your way through the truth and you get on the ride. Or other times you're in the middle, and I've seen these people do this. That's just amazing to me. They're, they're just bouncing through these situations where, do they not see what's around them? There's like danger everywhere. And they're just boom, 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 because they have some level of a confidence in it. And I think they ought to be scared out of their wits at this point. And so their emotions don't always match the facts that are going on and the facts and the feelings, the truth, the things that you feel, the things that you know. Uh, while the Bible doesn't say what to feel, the Bible does say what to believe you know, what to, what to confess, what to adhere to. And the truth is the truth is the truth. The love of God is the love of God, the plan of God, the Christ of God, the reality of God. And so there's the beauty of this thing. We, we can uh, move more and more and more into him as we check these things in our lives. Uh, and so, so that's where we are so far. But in this journey, not only are there things that we need to feel, there are the things that we need to know, but there are some traps that we need to avoid. And Paul writes about these in, in verse number three. Uh, that's really pretty powerful. Here's what he says. Uh, am I being selfish and conceited or am I being humble? You know, am, am I about me uh, or Am I being about others? Where, where, where's that? Where's that falling out in this part of my relationship? Because if the formula is Jesus, then others, then yourself, and you kind of get that mixed up, and you start to put your own stuff even ahead of maybe the plan of God. You know, it's it it doesn't always start with the J. Sometimes it starts with the Y. You know, mm -hmm. yourself. You you start there, and anytime you do that, anytime you mess that up. Uh, that that's clearly is the will of the enemy. That's clearly the plan of the enemy. You know, the, the, the line that, that he's going to give you all the time is what's in it for you. You know, what's in it for you. Or if he, if he flips that around, when somebody wants something or they offer something, or uh, there's an opportunity for a relationship, uh, you know, the, the enemy comes along with a, 
what are they trying to get from you? What are they trying to steal from you? What are they trying to do for you? You know, like everybody's a user and everybody's a, you know, everybody's out there moving for themselves. And we have all these little lines that are used that we've just accepted. You know, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. You know, free ain't free and blah, 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 all of that sort of thing. You know, I personally hate the phrase easy time payments because if it involves payments, <laughs> it ain't easy. And if it involves payments that take time to make, it's double not easy. And so, but but here's the reality. God wants us to, to be humble about this, to not be self-oriented before we are Christ-oriented, to, to realize that it is in him that every, his heart includes everything that actually we need. So, so he's you-minded. He is you-minded, and he's you-minded for everybody of all creation. He's of every nation, of every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every, every strata of society, every level of wickedness and lostness that there is, and every level of confusion. God loves people. God loves people. This Christ of God is a God of love, and so the J is for the Y and for the O. And so when we understand that, then this humility of soul begins to enter us, that if God would bless us, if, he'd, if he would minister to us, then wouldn't he want to minister to everybody else around us? And, and see, that, that, that just helps us. When, that, when we get that attitude check, it, it just, it crushes this singularity, this self-seeking mm -hmm. attitude. Uh, whenever there's contention, here's what the scripture says, only by pride comes contention. So wherever there is, when the warning light goes off because it's like, ah, the tension levels go way up, you could, I, I can tell you sin is in the house. Pride is winning. Somebody, somebody's gotten the order wrong here. Somebody's not living in the J-O-Y kind of formula. They, they, they've gotten themselves out of there. And so this is what Paul says. He says, avoid that. Avoid being in the place where you're putting yourself up first. That It's your selfishness uh, or even ambition. That's a great word. You know, I just... I deserve better. I want to get ahead. You know, come on. It's just you know, they should notice me too. If they're gonna, if they're gonna notice everybody else, you know, they should notice me. And and that, there's a subtle work of the enemy in that that is all designed to just to to, to mess up your joy, uh, to bring you to a place where where everything goes south because because you're not you're not in that place. You're not you're not being recognized the way you think you should be. And so do nothing through selfish conceits and ambitions, but, but instead esteem others as more important than yourselves. Wow. I mean, what a, what, a, what a formula for joy, but there's where it happens. And then this last one is not just a, a trap to avoid, but this last one is something, this is the stuff to do. This is the actual practical kind of things. What, what do I do about this? And here's what he says. You put... Uh, don't look to your own things, but to the interests of others. In other words, you put people's needs and people's interests, God's plan for their lives, kind of ahead of your own. Well, what does that leave you? That leaves you and me in a place where my ministry, my role here in this relationship, this joyful relationship where the joy is manifest, is I'm going to help God's will to be accomplished in your life. I, the the greatest joy is seeing God bless you and you move into this place 
of the joy of the Lord. That's my ministry. That's what I'm called to. And that's what we're all called to when we put other people's interests ahead of our own. We become a loving, serving, uh, happy crew of people because, and it's not, it's not, oh, if I have to, I'll do this, I'll do this much and no more. People who are filled with the joy of the Lord and the love of Christ, they go way, way, way beyond those things. We live by the joy of the Lord. And here's a here's a really good test. We It's your sign. It's kind of the attitude check thing that I think is important. The scripture says that when we get this right, when we actually kind of find ourselves in this place of the joy of the Lord bouncing through us and flowing through us in all of our relationships, then we rejoice with people who rejoice. And we actually weep with people who weep. You've got to get this. There's a with in this part that I think is powerful. When I am with the Lord, the withness that I have in others causes me to be able to enter into their joy in a rejoicing fashion. And I can enter into their sorrow with a compassion from the Lord. I can I can come there and not just be, oh, that's just too bad, or or even worse, a scolder. You know, well, you should have this, and you should have that, and you should have, you know. It, the person who falls off a four-story building doesn't need the first person who runs up and speaks to them to say, you shouldn't have stood so close to the edge. I figured that out probably half a story down. <laughs> as soon as gravity took over, it was like, oops, I think I know that. What I need here now is someone who is going to come and help me, Come someone who's going to come check if I'm still able to breathe, who's going to care for me and actually love me because they're putting my interests and my needs ahead of their own. And so this is the, this is the person who can rejoice with the people who rejoice and who can weep with the people who weep. I believe this is, this is probably one of the greatest checks because I, I have to tell you, I've been serving the Lord. I've known the Lord as, you know, you have as well for many, many years. But we all get into situations where we kind of think, well, I know how this is going to turn out. And and then someone comes with this amazing testimony, amazing testimony of all these blessings from the Lord. Let's just imagine for just a second that you're you're suffering from something. You've got this chronic kind of pain or some issue and you're not getting well. And everybody around you just testifies about how God healed them how God met their need, how they've just been freed from these things. And you you want to go, yeah, way to go, God, this is great. But something about the enemy saying, oh, what happened to you? You know, what about your stuff? Ooh. But when, when joy really works in us, when joy really works in us, we are overjoyed because God is working in people. And the same God who's working in them is working in me. And if he's glorified in my suffering, I'll suffer a while. And when he's glorified in my healing, I'll be healed. And when he's glorified in my chains, I'll be, in, I'll be good with that. When he's glorified in whatever I'm in, I'll be good with that. Why? Because all of these things are not the end. They're just the little checkups along the way. They're just times where we check our attitudes. And my attitude, I want to be one of joy. So our prayer for you is that ultimately that your attitude check brings you in alignment in all these areas that you might put Jesus first and then others and then yourself. You won't, you won't regret it first because you're going to be full of joy. But when you stand before the Lord and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, a part of that is certainly going to be because you put Jesus first, others second, and you're yourself third. So Lord, thank you for helping us in that alignment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.